Section 25 of Criminal Investigations, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Estelle Evans, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Criminal Investigations, a Practical Handbook for Magistrates, Police Officers, and Lawyers, Volume 3, by Hans Gross. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam. Cheating and Fraud Continued. Utilization of Certain Physiological Circumstances. Methods of this kind can no more be considered to fall within the arm of the law than the preceding, yet they may become illegal when, joined to other expedients, they conspire together to constitute a true fraud. The manner in which a dealer attempts to deceive a purchaser about the color of the horse is based upon physiological principles. White mat harness transforms the unequal tint of a black horse to a color beyond reproach. Black harness together with a blue horse cloth makes a white horse whose color leaves something to be desired as white as milk. A whitewashed wall in the background sets off the color of no matter what horse, and in the sun a light bay horse, when rubbed with a little grease, is transformed into a beautiful golden chestnut. The same with the horse's stature, for, when showing in harness, one must make up for what has been lost in measuring. A horse that is too tall will be shown bareback and attached to a very big carriage, a horse that is too small will be given a high saddle and harnessed to a very low chaise. When two horses of different heights are harnessed together, the smaller is placed on the left and the larger on the right. This makes the difference in size hardly perceptible. On the other hand, if they were placed in an inverse position, the differences appear twice as great. No one knows why this is so, but all drivers are aware of the fact and everyone who wishes to sell a pair of horses of unequal height takes advantage of this peculiarity. It may be added that the horse's toilet also produces considerable effect from this point of view. The harness ought to be plentiful and brightly colored. The impression produced by the largeness of the two sets of similar harnesses causes the disappearance of small difference in size of the two horses. The effect is still greater when by means of bearing reins and curbs, it is contrived that the heads and the tails of both are leveled up. This is also a great help in hiding other defects. Horses in harness are always driven in a figure eight, under the pretext of showing the buyer everything. It goes without saying that the dealer is not a bad driver. His business is to show off the horse in the most favorable aspect. If the driver is really skillful, his equipage will never look better than when being turned in a figure of eight. This has the further advantage to the dealer of pre preventing the buyer from spotting and remembering the defects of the horse. It is particularly difficult to recognize a defect in one of eight legs in movement. Indeed, it is difficult to distinguish the lame leg of a single horse when seeing the same side of the animal. It must therefore be much more difficult when there are two horses of which we see a different side of each movement. 
it is then impossible to say whether one of the horses walks badly does not place its feet correctly upon the ground or even slightly limps the fact that it is difficult to recognize a certain defect when two horses are seen together is often exploited to pass off the bad horse along with one that is better the dealer knows how to place and praise up the good horse so that it covers the bad one at least masks its faults indeed our senses are under the influence of an impression which strikes them forcibly lose a correct perception for of smaller matters do not perceive them distinctly three utilization of certain psychological circumstances here is the sphere of that eloquence perspicacity and skill by which the dealer exploits the feeble side of the character of the buyer people say of a thousand words said by a horse dealer only one is to be believed and of that one half dertenneker says to pass off as good qualities in the eyes of the buyer a horse's greatest faults is the characteristic of a consummate horse dealer he knows at least how to take away all the weight from its faults the age of the horse he wishes to sell is always the best age its color is always the most fashionable even when a horse is a gray marked in the most irregular manner its stumbling gait is always safest even when it is quite insupportable to ride the horse which shies at everything is very young but extremely spirited and doubtless an old hack never shies if the horse is obviously ill the dealer pretends that it has been ill but when it will be completely well it will look very much better if it's lame it is the fault of the awkward farrier who shod it yesterday as for the color of the horse on clipping it it will be the exact color the buyer wishes everything that is objectionable in the way it holds its head up its habits or its pace is french and the latest fashion and even if the animal is a stargazer of the worst possible description the dealer does not hesitate yes unfortunately he comes from france where nowadays they make the horses take up all sorts of bad habits and they are specifically fond of this absurd carriage of the head but if you like you will be able to cure the horse of it in a week if the dealer pushes things too far and the buyer becomes distrustful there is always little dodges for giving oneself the air of an honest man the dealer draws the buyer's attention to faults which the beast does not possess of course the dealer will never say that a horse is a stumbler bolter or rearer for he would never risk frightening the buyer to that extent but all of a sudden he will discover a very bad mark on its back which he had never noticed before of course it will soon be found out to be simply dust or a shadow or he notices that the two horses seem to be of unequal height though very well aware of that if measured they will not be a fraction of an inch between them these honest methods of the dealer by which he draws attention to a defect in his own beast will gain confidence of a trusting purchaser but talking is not enough the dealer must act thus we can always see a number of venerable examples which taken together 
hardly make a good impression, hidden as they are beneath coverings and cloaks as if they were the most precious articles in the world. Naturally, there is always plenty of people interested in these veiled horses who anxiously inquire whether they are indeed so delicate. Unhappily, replies the dealer, all the horses descended from the famous stallion Kudinor are extremely delicate. The buyer who has never heard speak of this famous ancestor takes care not to betray his ignorance and commences to interest himself only in Kumor's descendants. With a thousand precautions, the coverings are taken off to obtain a glimpse of the horse. But in the open air, it's to be carefully covered up, for this trick is only employed during cold weather, and our man finally buys a pig in a bag, in the literal sense of the last word. No doubt the dealer will not act this way towards all buyers. He must first know the people he has to deal with, and his art consists not at once broaching the business at hand, but in trying to get some knowledge of the customer and discovering what he knows and what he wants. He will then act accordingly to the circumstances. Nothing is easier than to pass off the same horse as quiet and gentle or lively and meddlesome, and to exploit these particular qualities. Let us presume that the would-be buyer is a man who is foolish and vain, but a poor horseman. He will assure this gentleman that with his knowledge of horsemanship he ought to have a real devil of a horse, that unfortunately he has none at present that will suit him. Will he in the meantime be content with a white horse which has every good quality but is a thousand times too quiet for him? No doubt, he adds, this is his worst fault but it is largely compensated for by the number of good points. The brilliant horseman asserts that he greatly regrets being obliged to take this old mule, but he takes it all the same, and if it turn out not to be quiet and to be full of faults, he will always have the consolation of having been taken by the dealer to be an accomplished horseman. Speaking generally, the dealer is never sparing of praises, and when the buyer begins to examine the horse and attacks it like a midwife, the dealer begins by saying, There now, I needn't say a word. You understand better than my old master, God bless him. And thereupon he chatters all the more and points out the greatest absurdities. If the buyer mounts the horse, he calls out his servants and asks them in a low voice so that the horseman can hear everything to note the seat and attitude of the gentleman so that they may profit by the lesson. The horseman pays more attention to these praises than to the qualities and defects of the horses, and finally he pays for the praises as well as the horse. But to give at least the appearance of truth to his talk, the dealer takes care to have excellent saddles in reserve, safe and comfortable, even family saddles, on which it is easy to sit quietly. The buyer puts all this down to the good qualities of the horse. But it is above all at the time when the horse is being shown off by the dealer or his servants that it is necessary to deceive the buyer. The rider or coachman must be imbued with the idea that his business is not to parade his own skill or train the horse, but to show it off in the most favorable possible way. He will therefore never do what he wishes, 
but what the horse wishes. While Arla's art consists in making it believed that the horse is doing what he wishes. If consequently the beast begins to gallop of its own free will, he will immediately help it to gallop. He will let it gallop as long as it likes, and not until it begins to trot will he help it to trot. The essential thing is not to give the buyer time to see whether it was the horse or its rider that first thought about trotting. If the horse turns into the wall, the rider immediately allows it to do so and cries out, See how easy it is to bring him near the wall? He doesn't mind it a bit. If the horse rears, jumps, or kicks, these are all little tricks of skill executed on purpose by the groom, and the dealer standing by the purchaser says in a tone of reproach, I don't care about my grooms making him jump like that. Even the quietest animal may get into bad habits. The buyer subsequently discovers, to his dismay, that the horse had already got the bad habit. The dealer pays special attention to experts who accompany the buyer. He is most polite to them and tries to make them forget the real object of their presence by telling stories and, if possible, expressing sentiments of gratitude towards them. In this way, he will return a thousand thanks to those, to the veterinary surgeon who accompanies the purchaser for some advice recently given him. He admires his perspicacity, skill, and knowledge and finds nothing to say about him that is not agreeable. The veterinary surgeon is not insensible to these flatteries, especially before the individuals who have brought him and are paying his fee, and finally the two buyers drive a strange bargain. End of section 25